It is Wednesday, the 26th of July, the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne. Let's ask for their intercession today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you chose Saints Joachim and Anne to be the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Keep all parents faithful to the life to which you have called them. You entrust all Christian parents with the task of raising their children to live the gospel. Grant them the grace to live what they teach. You have promised that even if father and mother abandon us, you will never abandon us. Keep in your care all abandoned, orphaned, and abused children. God our Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, grant us in accord with the riches of your glory to be strengthened with power through your Spirit and the inner self. Grant that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that rooted and grounded in love we may have strength to comprehend with all the holy ones the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. Saints Joachim and Anne, pray for us. Amen. It is a better way to start a Wednesday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Thank you for being along, and we got good stuff to talk about today. Chris McGregor is going to look at a little reflection on today's saints, Saints Joachim and Anne, uh, that shows up in the Office of Readings. Father Rob Jack has more thoughts on various Old Testament stories that every Catholic should know. Gary Zimak will speak about another Old Testament story, the story of Jonah, which most of you do know, uh, but a specific lesson that we can learn from the life of Jonah. And then Rachel Bowman, along at the end of the hour, she's got a new book called Becoming Wife, Saying Yes to More Than Just the Dress. And no, that's not my clever twist on uh, a way to promote her book. That's the actual subtitle of the book. So, stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Federal Reserve wraps up a two-day meeting in Washington, D.C. today. The central bank is widely expected to resume interest rate hikes after hitting pause on that last month. The Fed could also provide some insight on whether another rate increase could be coming later this year. Policymakers started raising interest rates last year in an effort to bring down inflation to 2 percent. The Fed will announce its decision on interest rates at the end of the meeting today. A federal judge is striking down the Biden administration's new rules for asylum seekers at the southern border. More from Mark Mayfield. The judge ruled against the new rule that allows immigration authorities to deny asylum to migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border if they did not first apply online or seek protection in a country that they passed through. The judge put the ruling on hold for 14 days for an expected appeal. The ACLU brought the lawsuit against the administration, arguing that the policy is unlawful. I'm Mark Mayfield. UPS and Teamsters are avoiding a strike after reaching a tentative agreement on a new labor contract. A strike by UPS workers would have been the largest in U.S. history. Ratification of the new five-year deal could take about three weeks. UPS CEO Carol Tome called it a win-win agreement for employees and customers. The union represents more than 300,000 workers at the package carrier. A recent Gallup poll finds that religion is falling as an important part of Americans' lives. 
58% of people surveyed said religion is extremely or very important. That's down from 65% in a survey from 2001 and 2002. At that time, religion ranked sixth in importance for people's personal lives. In the latest survey, religion ranked seventh behind family, health, work, money, friends, and hobbies or recreational activities. Religion is the only element that showed a decline. Ahead of World Youth Day next week, Pope Francis has recorded another so-called PopeCast podcast in which he listened and responded to difficult situations and struggles recounted to him by various young people. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The young people featured in this second podcast represent a variety of backgrounds and age groups, sharing their difficulties, but also their dynamism and hopes. But Francis listened to the story of Giona, for example, who spoke about the challenges of being a believer while accepting the reality of having physical challenges and being transgender. The Pope offered words of encouragement, saying, God loves us just as we are. And that the Lord always accompanies us, always. Even if we're sinners, he draws near to help us. The Pope added, do not give up and keep striving and going forward. Listening to the stories of Edward and Valerie, both serving time in a juvenile correctional community, the Pope heard about their difficult family situations and abandonment that led to their committing crimes they now regret. In response, the Pope asked them to consider that our mistakes must not be allowed to block our lives, and that the human story goes on with its successes and its failures. But he asked them to always remember that the Lord is with them on their journey, ready to take you by the hand to help lift you up. Ariana then recounted her own struggle with bipolar disorder, which has caused her moments of great joy, but also moments when she's contemplated suicide. At the same time, she said she feels that she is saved by God. The Pope listened to her closely and responded by encouraging her to always look forward, not to lose sight of the horizon, and the horizon is God. He invited her to follow the care recommendations of her health professionals and noted that we're all wounded in life in various ways and due to different causes, including sin, which require us to look to the horizon of God's love and mercy. I'm Thaddeus Jones. And Skittles is coming out with a new flavor this summer in honor of National Mustard Day on August 5th, mustard-flavored Skittles will be making their debut. The new flavor is in collaboration with French's Yellow Mustard. Fans will get to taste the new flavor at French's Mustard Mobile, which will be making stops in Atlanta, Matt, Washington, D.C., and New York City next week. I don't like going to Washington, D.C., so I'm probably not going to go. Oh. You're not excited about mustard-flavored Skittles? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you know, I mean, did you ever have, like, the Jones sodas that are, like, Thanksgiving dinner-inspired? No. Like, turkey gravy No, Jones I have soda. a thing. This happened to me in college once. It ruined olives for me forever and ever and ever. I picked up what I thought was a grape and put it in my mouth only to realize that it was a black olive and I can't do it anymore. So oh. when I'm expecting something sweet and I get something salty and savory and kind of pungent, not not going to work for me anymore. Like, I oh. cannot eat olives anymore. I, 
I love all of. I know you do. I know you do, Chazzy. Yes, there it is. You almost, you almost, you almost nailed the landing on that one. I Mitchell. know. I almost, almost, almost. Well, no, I mean, I haven't had a skittle in a very long time. Really? No, I've I've not felt the need. Hmm. Okay, well, that's and fair. skittles, uh, you know, as a corporation, probably doesn't think too much of me anyway. I don't know. <laughs> well, bueno, no mastico to me. Wednesday, July the 26th, the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne. So happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. It's 8 past. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, my dear friend. How are you today? I am doing fine and so excited because our selection this week from the Office of Readings is for my onomastico, the July 26th Feast of Saints Anne and Joachim. The reading taken from a sermon given by St. John Damascene. Can you tell us a little bit about him first? Oh, St. John Damascene is a doctor of the church, just a brilliant a uh, theologian, a scholar of his time, and witness to the faith. And he was one who wrote beautifully. Uh, he has a, a, what can be called a doctrine of the Assumption of Mary, way back. And this is around 600, well, actually around 700 AD. So you can see that this isn't something that just developed overnight. Right. And this is something that has been with the church for so long and was given voice by the great St. John Damascene. He was also, um, Anna, it was so interesting. He was the defender of holy images because, you know, there was a period where mm-hmm. um, they were destroying, it was called iconoclasm, and they were destroying all the images and uh, that were in churches or, with, or condemned what people might have. And he would go on to defend it and saying, Jesus changed all the rules because he became the face of the Father, and now we can gaze and meditate and contemplate in these great images. And in today's reading, he brings us the image of Joachim and Anne, this time in words, but they are the ones who uh, we are to model uh, as parents and as caregivers out in the world. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of an iconoclasm that I wanted to, to touch on first. I mean, it's a pretty amazing thought. For all those who seem to believe that the Blessed Mother was simply this vessel that God used for for this amount, you know, certain amount of time for his purpose and then just sort of dismissed her. We as Catholics praise not only the Blessed Mother for being worthy to carry God in her womb, we also praise Saint Anne for being worthy to carry Mary in her womb. And wow, I I'm still still trying to wrap my mind around these first couple of lines of of this sermon. Nature itself knew that the womb of St. Anne needed to wait for Mary. How about that? How about that? That it is so beautiful, this whole reflection on this, because it lifts up not only Anne, but also Joachim. Yes. One of my favorite lines in this is that blessed is the womb that carried uh, the the Virgin Mary, right? Mm-hmm. But also the loins. How about that for yeah. a term? That would help to bring her life and and that is Joachim. This is a you know, how often do we hear that? Blessed is the loins, blessed is the guy. 
who also was responsible. This this whole wonderful sermon, I encourage people to read, especially because of the the thesis, uh, St. Anne and St. Joachim, that it, it talks about the importance of what it is to be parents. And you, the child that you bring into the world, they, the Lord knew that this holy couple would care and nurture for this special soul. Well, I got news, news for you, and you know this really well, Anna. Every soul that's born into this world is special. Yep. Everyone should be wanted and nurtured and cared for and have a Joachim and Anne as parents. Joachim and Anne, how chaste a couple, while safeguarding the chastity prescribed by the law of nature, you achieved with God's help something which transcends nature in giving the world the virgin mother of God as your daughter. While leading a devout and holy life in your human nature, you gave birth to a daughter nobler than the angels, whose queen she is now. I mean, I, I think about this in contrast to like Abraham and Sarah, for instance, mm-hmm. right, who who were given this promise of God and realized, well, we're really old and <laughs> clearly mm-hmm. we're going to have to come up with our own means of achieving this promise of God. And yet Joachim and Anne, in contrast to that, actually waited. They waited on the Lord and the Lord rewarded them for it. Yes, and the thing is, they were, uh, Abraham and Sarah were given a message that this was going to happen. We don't know, Joachim and Anne. They were, nothing tells us in sacred scripture that they had any awareness that anything was going to happen that was, can we say, out of the ordinary, except the extraordinary action of being able to have a child. And when that happened, that child was born into a couple that was so grateful to be a part of this gift of life that they nurtured her and, and loved her and brought her up in a way that she could say yes freely. You know, they, they are the model. Joachim and Anne are the model, not only for grandparents, right? They are, I mean, how blessed they are, the patron of grandparents, but also for parents, because we don't know. I mean, that's the, that's the gift. You don't know what the potential for your child, what God has planned for them. So love them, care for them, nurture them. And maybe one day, if you're here in, in, in their presence, as they continue to grow and bear fruit out into the world, you'll be blessed by seeing that. But maybe you won't. But who knows what what God will do with that precious child that you're you're giving life to, helping to give life to. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about the prayers that we have um, in the the Saint Anne Novena, for instance, which mm-hmm. which focus a lot on patience and and focus a lot on this trusting in the Lord and in his promise that he hasn't overlooked you in any way. And I know that that single women in particular have a, a devotion to St. Anne in this way as, as they wait for a husband, right? St. Mm-hmm. Anne, St. Anne, bring me a man, you know, that, that age-old prayer. Chris, mm-hmm. are you familiar? Mm-hmm. I am. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Their patience and care and nurturing is an example. And I'm glad you brought up the novena because you're going to have to be very pa- patient, right, if you're in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which happens to have the largest uh, uh, gathering for the St. Anne Novena. 
and prayer and everything tomorrow. You better get there early because it is that town's going to double. Scranton, huh? Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Look it up. It's big. They love St. Anne there. Wow. Look at this. St. Anne's Monastery and Shrine Basilica in Scranton, PA. Well, buon onomastico to you if you are uh, associated with St. Anne's Monastery and Shrine Basilica. This looks like a place I got to go. I've been to uh, the Basilica of St. Anne de Beaupre in uh, Quebec, which is a lovely, lovely pilgrimage site. So buon onomastico to you as well. 16 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is. And put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity Health Share, 844-334-3245. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN podcasts are the perfect companion for busy Catholics everywhere. Your favorite EWTN programs are waiting for you to listen to on your time. With on-demand access to audio, you can pause and pick up right where you left off, anytime, anywhere. Just subscribe by using your mobile device's free podcast app. Find old favorites or discover something new. EWTN Podcasts, they're waiting for you. 18 past, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis today has appointed a new archbishop for the Archdiocese of Dubuque. The Federal Reserve wraps up a two-day meeting in Washington, D.C. today and is widely expected to resume interest rate hikes. And Bishop Robert Barron says he and his fellow bishops from the U.S. are looking forward to leading thousands of young Americans on pilgrimage to World Youth Day. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I want to make sure I get a word in uh-huh. for a saint who is, um, well, who's canonized just last year and is a person who could certainly be seen as a patron of our profession and anybody in any kind of media. And that is St. Titus Bransma. He's on the calendar today. Oh. And a lot of people might not know about really? him because he shares a feast day with Joachim and Anne, but also because he's so recently canonized canonized may of last year uh but you're talking about a smart guy uh who spoke multiple languages uh had doctorates in philosophy he was a carmelite he um ended up 
working in Catholic papers and uh, newspapers specifically, and being someone from the Netherlands, got the attention of the Nazis for his strong critiques of all the things that they were doing wrong um, for his rebellion against them. He was arrested in uh, January of 1942, tortured, punished, shuttled around, deported to Dachau, and uh, overworked, underfed, beaten daily, and yet prayed for the salvation of his guards. And then they martyred him. Um, But he's an incredible guy who was willing to stand up for the faith uh, in a public way through the media, no matter what the cost. So... St. T- uh, Titus Branma. It's it's kind of fun to call him St. Titus. Yes, it is. Pray for us. Pray for us. Along with Joachim and Nan and the rest. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A Marian prayer from the Celtic tradition. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Queen of grace, mother of mercy. Hail Mary, in manner unsurpassing, font of our health, source of our joy. To thee we, night and day, erring children of Adam and Eve, lift our voice in supplication, in groans and grief and tears. Bestow upon us, thou root of gladness, since thou art the cup of generous graces, the faith of John and Peter and Paul, with the wings of Gabriel on the heights of the clouds. Vouchsafe to us, thou golden branch, a mansion in the realm of peace. Rest from the perils and stress of waves, beneath the shade of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. For Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, I'm Father Benedict O'Kinsella. So I just want to issue a small correction to myself on behalf of myself. I said that Titus Brandsman's feast is today. Actually, he died on this date. But I assume because of the Joachim and Anne connection, he got uh, his feast moved to tomorrow. So tomorrow is technically the day the Carmelites celebrate St. Titus Brandsman. We're joined now by Father Rob Jack from Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio. And he's got uh, some great insights into Scripture. And we've been going through some stories in the Old Testament that all Catholics should know. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So there are a lot of things about Abraham's story that people do know, and there are a lot of things about Abraham's story that they maybe read and they get you know, kind of lost in the weeds and don't really know what it is that's happening. And I think Genesis 15 
uh, and God's covenant with Abraham there is one of those places where you're not really sure. I mean, unless somebody kind of explains to you the significance of what's going on. Yeah, what happens was, of course, God picked this guy who is now basically in what we call now modern Iraq in the Fertile Crescent or Mesopotamia, the area between the rivers. Anyway, God said, I want you to go all the way over to Palestine. And so Abram, Abram at this time, being an old man, having no children, took God at his word and then began the journey. And But before he began the journey, it's kind of like God, God wants to show his trust that, Abraham, you can put your trust in me. And so he makes with him this covenant. And in the Hebrew, to cut a covenant basically means that animals are cut in half, except the small ones. And then there's a pathway between the two. And the two people walk between there in what we call a suzerainty treaty, in which we're saying if either of us breaks this contract or this covenant, then what happened to the animals is going to happen to us. So that's a pretty serious vow they're making. I would think so. I mean, uh, I don't want to be sliced and diced like that. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to this this covenant, you know, it is, it's interesting uh, because we'll see that God makes covenants with people uh, throughout salvation history. And while we don't always do the best job holding up our end, he always holds up his end. Uh, but there are chances that, that he gives to people uh, throughout salvation history to show whether or not they're serious as his people of holding up their end of the deal. Well, this is the thing. God always tests that. Some, wanted, some argue, and, and I would agree with him, that you know, when God told the, our first parents not to eat of the fruit of the tree, of course they were tested. Okay, are you going to be able to hold up to this? And then God, God knows that we're created people. He knows especially now of our fallen nature. And so he wants to see our level of commitment, which is a perfectly reasonable thing to do, because God is giving all of himself to us. And what we see, especially in Abraham, you know, we call him our father in faith in the first Eucharistic prayer, because, of course, he, he believed with real no evidence. I mean, he, he was a very old man. He had no children. And God said, I want you to pick up and move to an entirely different land, and I'm going to give you this new land and as many children as the stars of the sky. And he hears this and says, yeah, right. But Abram, you know, at this time, believed what the Lord had to say. And he did, he carried out the journey. And so in doing that, God, of course, as we see, uh, said, I will give you all of this land. And so this was, uh, the covenant was talking about, in this case, the land. You are having new land to live in. The next part, though, is going to be, what about progeny? And that's where uh, some people see a passage here, which is a little upsetting, uh, a little, a lot upsetting, but at the same time, very much focused on how we're going to be saved. Well, this is, again, one of those passages that, you know, there are other aspects of Abraham's story, Abram at the time, right, that, that maybe catch more attention. But, I mean, the, the nuances of, of these questions are, are really important because we'll see echoes of it down the line in other stories throughout salvation history, including um, the way that God sends his own son to save the whole world, and all nations are blessed through him in a way that really fulfills this promise that we hear made to Abraham. You're absolutely right. The thing that's clear with us is one of the major themes of the of the Bible is that it's a promise and fulfillment. God makes the promise, 
and then God fulfills his promise. The question always is, is how faithful is, uh, is uh, mankind going to be? And we see in Genesis 22, uh, where God says, take your firstborn that I gave you and go and sacrifice him. You know, it's like, whoa, what is going on with this? I mean, this is a, you don't get much more serious in the fact, in terms of saying, do you trust me? Than saying here, you know, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him to me. Yeah. Well, fortunately, that did not work out the way that Abraham thought it was going to work out. It worked out much better, <laughs> right? Because God had a plan that not even Abraham knew about. But I mean, I feel like that's the case kind of all the time is that God's got some plan that we don't know about. And the thing that might seem kind of weird will make sense in a little bit of retrospect. And I think that's part of what these stories tell us uh, beyond just the narrative of what happened back then. It's kind of how things tend to happen now in our own lives. They do, Matt. And one of the key themes that I, I keep stressing, and this is something that is unique to Judaism but and, and Christianity especially, is that God is involved in the lives of his people. He's not some puppet master pulling the strings where we have no freedom. We have freedom because that's the only way we can show God that we love him. If we didn't have the freedom to choose, we couldn't do that. And so God has showed his love for us. And he asks us to show that love for him. And in that process of that, especially of Genesis 22, it's a very important passage for Catholics to know because it's a foreshadowing of Christ redeeming us on the cross. Well, great stuff, Father Rob Jack. Of course, he hosts Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio. We appreciate your time, Father. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much, Matt. You as well. You find Father Rob, and you can find actually all the guests we talk to on a daily basis here on the Sunrise Morning Show at our site, sunrisemorningshow.com. You can enter your email address, and uh, we'll get you show notes delivered straight to your inbox every morning right around the time that the show hits the airwaves. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has appointed a new archbishop for the Archdiocese of Dubuque, Iowa. The Holy Father has chosen Davenport Bishop Thomas Zincula to fill the vacancy left in April when Archbishop Michael Jackals resigned for health reasons. Zincula has been serving as the Bishop of Davenport since 2017. The blistering heat that's been broiling much of the south and the southwest is now invading the Midwest, pushing afternoon highs above 100 degrees. Forecasters are warning that the heat and humidity could last for days. Cities like St. Louis, Wichita, and Kansas City will roast in temperatures 10 to 20 degrees above average. President Biden is pushing insurers to improve access to mental health care. Trey Thomas reports. Biden announced a proposed rule Tuesday to strengthen requirements so health insurers cover behavioral health at the same level as physical health. Mental health care is health care. It's essential to people's well-being and their ability to lead a full and productive life. The rule is expected to be published in the Federal Register next week. I'm Trey Thomas. A federal judge is shooting down the Biden administration's new rules for asylum seekers at the southern border. The judge ruled against the new rule that allows immigration authorities to deny asylum to migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border if they did not first apply online or seek protection in a country they passed through. The judge put the ruling on hold for 14 days for an expected appeal. 
The next president and CEO of Catholic Charities USA is a lay woman with a background in leadership and philanthropy. Carrie Alice Robinson is the founding executive director of Leadership Roundtable, which works to promote best practices in Catholic organizations. Robinson will become leader of Catholic Charities USA on August 23rd when current president and CEO Sister Donna Markham retires. Bishop Robert Barron has said he and his fellow bishops from the United States are looking forward to leading thousands of young Americans on pilgrimage to Portugal for World Youth Day next week. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. With 28,600 young people already registered and registration numbers still rising, the United States will be one of the five largest delegations participating in the week-long event, which will start on August the 1st. Bishop Robert Barron, who serves as chairman of the U.S. Bishops' Committee on Laity, Marriage, Family Life and Youth, and will be travelling to Lisbon along with 60 other U.S. bishops, said in a statement that the U.S. Church is very much looking forward to this pilgrimage. According to Bishop Barron, the event is a wonderful occasion for young adults to have a significant encounter with Jesus in the company of the Universal Church. It is also a moment when the Holy Father and the Church's leadership get an opportunity to listen to the young people present, teach and form them in the Gospel, and ultimately send them towards their vocation and mission in the world, he added. During the week, U.S. pilgrims will be staying in parishes, campuses, homes and hotels around Lisbon, taking part in prayer and liturgies, daily catechesis, concerts, presentations, dialogue, service and networking with young adults from around the world. The Bishops' Conference is also planning a national pilgrim gathering for all U.S. pilgrims on August 2nd at the city's park da Quinta da Conchas, in which, after a time of music and testimony by young adults, Bishop Barron will offer a keynote address and Bishop Edward Burns of Dallas will lead a holy hour as part of the National Eucharistic Revival Initiative. On August the 3rd, the pilgrims will be joined by Pope Francis, who will attend the welcome ceremony and will be presiding several events in the following three days. I am Lisa Zingarini. More than 30 drugs may face supply chain issues after a tornado ripped through a North Carolina Pfizer plant. The Rocky Mount facility makes close to a quarter of Pfizer's injectable medicines used in hospitals across the United States. Last week, the facility was hit by a tornado that plowed through a storage center containing medications. And a new bipartisan bill could make changes to how college athletes make money off their names and likeness. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Certainly nothing can so effectively humble us before God's mercy as the multitude of his benefits, and nothing can so deeply humble us before his justice as the great number of our sins. Let us consider often what he has done for us. There is no need to fear that knowledge of his gifts will make us proud. A lively consideration of graces received makes us humble, because knowledge of them begets gratitude for them. Christian piety always has only one object, God. However, it suggests various ways of serving Him, so in whatever state we live, we can please God. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Chris Armstrong. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. He's got a book called When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good, Biblical Advice to Help You Trust in Difficult Times. And today we get to talk about Jonah. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. I love that you included Jonah in this book because uh, we've talked about various ways that you can get into a rough situation. Um, and... Jonah is a great case of this because he didn't just uh, have two good choices and chose the less good of the two choices. He knew what he was supposed to do and did the opposite. And somehow or other, God still got his attention and steered him towards doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Jo- Jonah's a great story, and, and unfortunately it often gets that uh, we get caught up in the details of Jonah. Um, but, but there's a great moral to this story, and actually two great lessons that we can learn here. And, and, and I think one of the main ones, as you said, is Jonah really went, uh, Jonah was given a message by the Lord. He was told to go to the city of Nineveh to tell the people to repent. The people were in bad shape. They were going against the Lord, and the Lord sent Jonah to go there to tell them to shape up or they're going to be in trouble. Jonah instead headed in the opposite direction. He ran away from the Lord. He didn't want anything to do with this. He ends up on a ship. God sends a storm to kind of shift things around and really really get Jonah on the right track. It comes to the attention of the crew that Jonah is the one that is the the cause of, of of the storm. So Jonah says, well, what should I, the, should, the crew said, what should we do with you now? Jonah says, throw me overboard. He gets thrown overboard. He gets swallowed up by a great fish. We often call this a whale, but the Bible says it's a great fish. And Jonah gets, uh, gets ends up being spit out by the fish on land. The Lord says to Jonah, all right, Jonah, let's try this one more time. I need you to go to Nineveh. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Even though he doesn't want to do it, he didn't want God's mercy to be uh, shown to the people. So he's got a bad attitude from the beginning. He goes, he proclaims the message again, half-heartedly proclaims the message, the people repent. God's will is done. 
despite the fact that Jonah had a horrible attitude, ran away from the Lord, somehow the will of God was done through all of this mess. It is a pretty fascinating story. Uh, you know, this is, a, this is a guy who, again, was called to go help a people that he didn't like. Uh, yeah. I think that there are, you know, some, some lessons to be learned here because there are the people in our own lives uh, that we want to to reach out to who we love deeply and, you know, want to be a light in their lives, uh, you know, often our very own family members. But there's also, interestingly enough, Gary, turns out we don't get along with everybody, you and me. Uh, you know, there are, there are these people yeah. in our lives that we may be called to love and serve and, and be joyful witnesses to, and and we would just rather not. Um, it, 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 it's kind of like a convicting thing to see this play out in the life of Jonah, that Jonah's like told essentially to love his enemies. He's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? That's right. pretty relatable. Right, exactly. Oh, man, can I relate to this? Jonah didn't want to do this because he didn't think the people were worthy of, of God's mercy. And so he has this bad attitude. First thing he does is he just runs the other way, but the Lord manages to get his attention. And then, and then he goes. He goes along with God's will, probably because he's scared to death. And he does it. He, he proclaims just a straight message that God says, all right, you repent, and you have 40 days to repent, or you're going to die. He adds nothing to the message. So he, he, there's no talk of God's mercy or anything. He delivers the message. He does the bare minimum. And yet, God works through them, and the people have a good attitude. They repent of their sins, and it somehow gets done. So, you know, Matt, when we look at this, when I look at this, it, it reminds me of the many times in my life, I hate to say it, that I, I knew God wanted me to do something, I knew it was the right thing to do, and I didn't do it. And then he gave me maybe another chance, or he worked on me, gave me a little more time, and I still maybe didn't want to do it, but I at least realized, okay, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to do it, but I like Jonah, I'm going to do the bare minimum. And this story reminds us, oh, I might not have always seen the fruit of, of my work, and that's the way it works in this life, but this story reminds me that even though maybe I didn't do the best I could, maybe even though I said no the first one or two or three times, God can still use me to bring about good. You know, and that's that gives me hope. It gives me confidence. And I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of the pressure off of me when I realize that, man, sometimes I don't do a great job proclaiming the good news, but the Lord can still use that. Well, I think, too, that, you know, we see a story like Jonah's and, you know, it wasn't that Jonah had to come up with the whole plan and strategy and messaging on his own and craft mm. this you know, elaborate appeal to the Ninevites. God basically gave him a pretty simple thing to do. I mean, it took courage yeah. for sure, but it didn't take him like sitting down with scrolls for like months to, to put this thing together and go do it. Uh, in that sense, it wasn't like a big thing that he had to coordinate. Uh, he just had to go do the 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 little simple straightforward thing. And I think that sometimes we can... I mean, at least I know I can in my own life, uh, be so focused on sort of like bigger picture, like evangelizing the world, you know, that I, I can be kind of blind to the, the little moments that sort of present themselves throughout the course of the day, you know, walking on the sidewalk mm -hmm. in my own neighborhood of just 
smiling at someone and like creating a positive impression that this guy who's got like you know a sacred heart on his shirt is also filled with the love of Christ like you know the little wow. moments that have you know their their place in the course of the day I mean I think it can be easy to overcomplicate that and think that you have to come up with your own big plan when sometimes God just sort of says why don't you be faithful in this little 30 second span that I put in front of you Man, I'll tell you what, Matt, that that really hits me when you said that. Every night, my wife and I, when the weather's good, we try to take a walk around the neighborhood. And I, I typically wear a baseball cap, and one of them that I wear has the name of Jesus on it and a cross. And I can't tell you how many comments I get on that hat. Um, people will start talking about the Lord, or something will happen. People, it, it, It's just one of those witnesses, those little things that strikes up the conversations. I don't do any major evangelization typically in the neighborhood, but conversations start. People talk to us, you know, we chat, and it's just that simple message. You know, you mentioned wearing the shirt or a hat or something, just a simple message. We go out there and proclaim and give people a chance to ask questions or maybe just to encounter a Christian who is a nice person. I mean, that's a, sometimes that's a rarity, but yeah, it could be very simple, and all it takes is are saying, yes, Lord, let, let me go do this for you. Let me go out there and let the Lord work. Let the Holy Spirit work through us. You know, we don't have to come up with all these great words. Sometimes it's the message is incredibly simple, especially in today's world. There's a lot of nastiness out there. Maybe you just be a nice person, say smile to somebody and say hello, and that's amazing how that can touch somebody. And not nice in some saccharine, insincere way, but like right. actually live the fruit of the Spirit that's called joy, you know, and you flip yeah. that around to the other side. Let's say that every time you walk around your neighborhood, you just, you know, complain about how terrible things are in life and, you know, how frustrated you are at stuff and even the church. And, you know, yeah, somebody's going to see you on their ring doorbell and be like, man, that guy in the Jesus hat hates his life. <laughs> exactly. Who wants to join that I... guy's deal? <laughs> you know, I mean, the flip <laughs> is also true. Yeah. Exactly. I'll tell you one thing, Matt. When I wear that hat, sometimes it reminds me, okay, Gary, you better not say what you want to say. <laughs> you know, that's, so it works the other way, too. It helps remind me. You better go out there and represent. Encounter, a little accountability for you yep, there. I need that. That's right. I need lots of it. Gary Zimak, we've got your book, When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Following the truth is Gary's site. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thanks so much. All right, back after this, it's 14 Till. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? 
The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has appointed a new archbishop for the Archdiocese of Dubuque, Iowa today. The blistering heat that has been broiling much of the South and Southwest is now invading the Midwest. And the next president and CEO of Catholic Charities USA is a laywoman with a background in leadership and philanthropy who will begin in about a month from now. Next newscast coming up in about 14-ish minutes as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Rachel Bullman. She's got a new book from our Sunday visitor, Becoming Wife, Saying Yes to More Than the Dress. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's Thanks good for having to, me. It is good to have you. So, Rachel, we hear that as human beings, we're created in the image and after the likeness of God. But I think we can let that truth wash over us pretty easily, uh, the gravity of that truth. How does being married fit into that truth of the human person for man and woman? Sure. So one of the things that we find out in Genesis is that we are made in relationship and so that relationship calls us into becoming more of who we are. So that image and likeness is worked out in relationship. You even see that within the Trinity, that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are only in communion for the sake of the other. If they're a communion of persons for the sake of the other, the Father is Father in relation to the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Son is the Son in relation to the Holy Spirit and the Father. And so it's the same thing within the marriage, that the husband is husband in relation to the wife. And the wife is sustained and in relation to the husband. And the more that we practice this, this spousality, the more that we become who we were created to be, the more that we grow in that image and likeness. Because it's not just something that we have and then, and then you're forever just in the image and the likeness. You're, you're actually growing into it. I actually talk about the fact that I'm, I'm adopted. And so in an image... I am very much like my family, even though we, we might not look exactly the same, we're still both humans, we have mannerisms that are the same, but, but growing in that likeness is something that I, I found through relationship, that by living with them, even though we were not blood, growing up, I, I adopted their traditions, I adopted the way that they spoke, so I grew in that likeness because of my closeness to them. And so image and likeness is something that is given to us, but that we also practice and we practice that the most in our relationships. And I think for husbands and wives, we found, find it every day by practicing that sacramental marriage. So with that in mind, then, aside from the dress, of course, what sort of yeses are included in becoming a wife? 
Oh gosh, you know, I think in this world we like to think that it's it's just to say yes, just to to getting married, you know. And mm-hmm. so we're saying yes to the wedding. They I actually watched a news report last night that said the average wedding, and this is in Nashville, is like sixty thousand dollars right now. Wow. And my mouth dropped because I thought a lot of women are thinking, like, this is what I'm saying yes to, right? It's just this awesome party that I get to throw. But but really, your investment is your, your soul. You're saying yes to allowing yourself to be entrusted to another human person and allowing them to be entrusted to you. I love this man, and I'm going to entrust myself to him. And I love him so much that I'm going to entrust, allow him to entrust himself to me and want the best for him. So you're saying yes to everything that comes along with that. You're saying yes to all the good things, all the bad things, the sufferings and all the joy that come along with journeying together through this life and hopefully journeying on your way to heaven. What change takes place when you say yes or or I do at the altar? Is there a change that takes place in a person? You become one with this other person. In the sacramental life of the church, and especially in the sacramental life of matrimony, what happens at the altar during that yes is going to be a, a union of two people that, that no man can take away. And I think for me growing up, you know, I grew up Protestant. And so I would see I had gone to a few weddings, but knowing the, the vow that we take within the church then also what Christ instituted and then gave the church to then give to us in this union between man and woman, there is a fusion that takes place within us that allows us to now be sacramentally one, that I can't pray now without my prayer also being in union with my husband. I cannot make decisions now without the the decisions being something that's now in union with my husband in a very particular way, which doesn't take place within, you know, say my relationship with my children, my relationship with my friends that there's now a union that takes place that's so intimate that now there's nothing that I do that's outside of him. And so when you have that unity of spouses, what does that tell the world about God? Oh, my gosh. There's so much about the character of Christ that you see within marriage. And even even John Paul II, Joseph Ratzinger, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, they both— talk about the fact that you learn more about who you are by looking at who God is. And one of the ways that we see that the most is within the marriage. And so they even call, you know, we go to Mass, and they call Mass the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so that tells us so much happens when a wedding happens. And so when you look at the union of man and woman, you see that we are called to be for the other, that God is constantly pouring himself out for us the way that the bridegroom is pouring himself out for the bride. And so when you see a husband and wife loving one another, it allows people in the world to realize that, number one, that love authentically exists, and that if authentic love does ex- exist, then, then there must be a source of that love. That, stuff, that love can't be one another. Like my, The love for my husband does not just exist isolated within myself. It comes from somewhere, and you cannot give someone something that you don't have. And so when someone sees a husband and wife loving one another well, they realize that there is something beyond themselves. And hopefully a husband and wife are going to evangelize the authentic love of God. They're going to know that that love comes from somewhere else. And because it comes from God, it's something that is eternal. 
and something that is possible in a world that tells you that it's not. You know, these are all very beautiful thoughts, right? The deep truths that that we have in marriage. But, I mean, we still have the day-to-day, like, living out of of that marriage. So what difference does it make to have this deeper understanding of what it means to be a wife when it comes to, you know, doing the laundry and cooking dinner, Rachel? Sure. One of the things that came up the other night, I was, I was actually cutting vegetables with my son and he was learning. He said, mom, this is, this is takes too long. He goes, this has <laughs> got to get boring after a while. And I said, well, I said, it does until you realize that if you do everything with love, it takes the monotony out. Like if Mm -hmm. I cut this vegetable and I think to myself, gosh, you know, Jeremiah's going to really enjoy eating this. I love him so much. I'm going to keep cutting this. And I said, everything that you do eventually can become monotonous if it's done without love. Mm -hmm. And so even in the day-to-day things of, of reminding your husband to put his laundry in the in the basket you know just do it with uh, love things. yes <laughs> just do it with love the love day-to-day it. things that that come up as you're as you're learning to live with one another we've I got love. becoming wife linked at sunrise show.com i'm sorry we're out of time rachel but really appreciate the conversation thank you dot com It is Wednesday, the 26th of July, the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne. Let's begin this hour with a prayer from Pope Benedict XVI. It's his prayer for grandparents in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, you were born of the Virgin Mary, the daughters, uh, the daughter of Saints Joachim and Anne. Look on love, look with love on grandparents the world over. Protect them. They are a source of enrichment for families, for the church, and for all of society. Support them as they grow older. May they continue to be for their families strong pillars of gospel faith, guardians of noble domestic ideals, living treasuries of sound religious traditions. Make them teachers of wisdom and courage that they may pass on to future generations the fruits of their human and spiritual experience. Mary, Mother of all the living, keep grandparents constantly in all your care. Accompany them on their earthly pilgrimage and by your prayers, grant that all families may one day be reunited in our heavenly homeland. Amen. Saints Joachim and Anne pray for us. That prayer taken from uh, the website of the Catholic Grandparents Association, and if you head over to our show notes, you can uh, you can find out what the Catholic Grandparents Association is. I haven't really uh, clicked around there much until this morning. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Wednesday. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Father Philip Michael Tangora will talk about being a light in the darkness and how it may look pretty wild and crazy and dark out there but there is always light god's always moving and and maybe seeing some hope in those situations where you think there's no hope carlo broussard is going to be along from catholic answers to talk about relativism that's one of the things that uh he responds to in his latest book against 
kind of post post postmodernism. Danielle Bean is going to talk about the gift of grandparents on this feast of Saints Joachim and Anne, and then Dr. Benjamin Lewis joins us from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy to talk a, a little bit about how uh, that got started. And uh, if you don't know or care what ICEL is, you will once you figure out that hey, uh, this is the group that figures out how to put our mass in English and updates translations as necessary. It's a fascinating conversation. So stay with us if you can. Two minutes past, here's Anna with news. It's a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. Pope Francis today has appointed a new archbishop for the Archdiocese of Dubuque. The Holy Father has chosen Davenport Bishop Thomas Zincula to fill the vacancy left in April when Archbishop Michael Jackals resigned for health reasons. The Federal Reserve wraps up a two-day meeting in Washington today. The central bank is widely expected to resume interest rate hikes after hitting pause last month. The Fed could also provide insight on whether another rate increase could be coming later this year. Policymakers started raising interest rates last year in an effort to bring down inflation to 2%. A federal judge is striking down the Biden administration's new rules for asylum asylum seekers at the southern border. More from Mark Mayfield. The judge ruled against the new rule that allows immigration authorities to deny asylum to migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border if they did not first apply online or seek protection in a country that they passed through. The judge put the ruling on hold for 14 days for an expected appeal. The ACLU brought the lawsuit against the administration, arguing that the policy is unlawful. I'm Mark Mayfield. More than 30 drugs may face supply chain issues after a tornado ripped through a North Carolina Pfizer plant. The Rocky Mount facility makes close to a quarter of Pfizer's injectable medicines used in hospitals across the U.S. Last week, the facility was hit by a tornado, which plowed through a storage center containing medications. Pfizer has warned hospitals that about 65 formulations of those drugs could see disruptions because of tornado damage. A recent Gallup poll has found that religion is falling in terms of importance in Americans' lives. 58% of people surveyed said religion is extremely or very important to them. That's down from 65% in a survey from 2001 and 2002. At that time, religion ranked sixth in importance for people's personal lives. In the latest survey, religion ranks seventh behind family, health, work, money, friends, and hobbies or recreational activities. Religion is the only element that showed a decline. Ahead of World Youth Day next week, Pope Francis has recorded another so-called PopeCast podcast in which he listened and responded to difficult situations and struggles recounted to him by various young people. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The young people featured in this second Apparently that story isn't going to work right now. So we'll move on. A new bipartisan bill, Matt, will make changes to how college athletes make money off their names and likeness. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama unveiled a bill yesterday that would establish a national standard for the use of a college athlete's name, image, and likeness. 
kind of appropriate from Tommy Tuberville, I guess. I mean, he worked in the industry. Football coach, yeah. So, what I don't understand about government and and will never understand is does that mean that he's an expert on the situation or does that mean he has to recuse himself from the situation? <laughs> that is such a good question, Matt. It's like, hey, we got a guy who knows something about how this process works. We should get them involved. No, actually, um, it would be a moral conflict to have that person involved. We only need to have people involved who don't know anything about it. know stuff. nothing about it, who don't have any stake in the matter at all. I, I'm... I'm a long way from understanding how government works, Anna Mitchell. It was explained to me in school, but I don't. Uh... I wonder if Carlo Broussard covers that in this new relativism book. I don't know. College athletics. And... Might be. Maybe he'll. It's like its own new. He'll have to write a new, new kind edition. of golden calf. <laughs> athletics in general can so become true. a golden calf. Nothing against cows, but. Well. But hey, when you start, you know putting them in gold and worshiping them, then I got a problem with cows. When something becomes its own religion, mm-hmm. you know, then it competes mm-hmm. with, the, with the true one. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip Michael Tangora, pastor, canon lawyer. He joins us from uh, Patterson, New Jersey, the diocese there. Father, good morning. Nope, do we have Father? Good Philip? morning, everybody. Hey, there you are. You know... I yeah. have conversation Hello. after conversation, <laughs> uh, you know, on the air and off the air about, you know, people just really feeling kind of exhausted, uh, tired, frustrated, discouraged. Uh, and, you know, really the news cycle is designed to make us see as many problems as possible. So we will buy as many solutions <laughs> as possible. Um, but when it comes to this idea as Catholics, I mean, we can be upset by the world, but. Uh, we are not, as St. Paul says, to grieve like those who have no hope. So, um, I mean, how do we get to reorienting ourselves to be a people of hope without denying all the darkness in the world? Okay. Um, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Oh, I think we've uh, got you on a mega delay. You Hello? know, we're going to try and uh, get you on the phone there. Uh because it looks like we're having some issues with the connection. Anna Mitchell, between your uh, sound bites breaking and us... I know. I'm wondering if we have some kind of internet interruption here going through the studio. um, Did you... What what are you about to accuse me of? I don't know. I I think we should... I mean, this is the reason we brought Paul Lockman on staff, is so that we we couldn't blame each other for stuff. I know. Everything, just blame it on Paul. Blame it on Paul. Yeah, here we Actually, are. I blame the boogie. I blame. All right, Father. It's Tang- the darkness. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, when it comes to this, though, I mean, as the, as I you know mentioned before, we lost you. You know, Catholics, we can't turn a blind eye to the bad things going on in the world. But how do we remind ourselves of of hope when we get really frustrated by these things? Yeah. Well, I was at a, a wonderful gala dinner with uh, Archbishop Cordilione. Uh, this Friday, and he had a beautiful phrase that I want to share with everybody, where he said, the darkness comes at night, but the night sky is filled with stars. And it's those stars that provide us the light, it's those stars that provide us the hope that we need amidst the darkness. And we realize that God's presence is there, even in the darkest times of the night, even when we are dealing with all sorts of negativity and challenges and the uh, evil, 
of the devil, the evil that gets manifested in other people's lives or that they uh, accept and per, uh, perpetrate against us. You know, this is such a, a, a powerful and important concept, that idea of uh, the night sky being filled with stars. If you were to poll people and, and hear about, you know, who are your favorite saints? Uh, you know, the some of the names that would rise to the top of the list are some of the people who are essentially stars in the night sky. <laughs> uh, you That's know, the, right. the, the people who have sort of like the biggest lasting long-term impact are people like uh, St. Francis of Assisi, who is like, oh, everybody loves St. Francis. Yes, he was like one of the people who was trying to get people to turn to Christ when it seemed like the whole world had you know, gotten this whole Christianity thing wrong. Uh, St. Patrick, everybody loves St. Patrick and forgets, you know, this is a guy who was a light in pagan Ireland, kind of all by, he was like one star in the whole island. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Well, uh, St. Anne and St. Joachim, they were at a time where the Jewish faith, it was in darkness. They were uh, suffering. Most Jews were not practicing their faith. The, the Jewish uh, faith was under persecution from the Roman Empire. I mean, there was a lot of darkness at that time. When you look at yesterday, St. James, right, and he was failing as an evangelist. He's an apostle, and he was failing to make converts in Spain. You know, but it was the stars in the field, Compostela, that uh, brought about the conversion of faith and, and, that, and that coming to Christ and that seeing the light amidst the darkness. Yeah. So yes, you're you're absolutely right to talk about the different saints, but uh, even those different saints, some of them never saw it in their life. Some of them had to suffer. They had to undergo uh, union with the cross, and their sacrifice, their perseverance, is what ultimately paid off for the following generation or or many generations later, finally coming back to the faith and embracing it and living it with great. Uh, joy and beautiful public witness. Well, this this is the kind of the interesting thing about some of these saints, and I didn't intend to bring up St. Francis of Assisi and St. Patrick to prove a specific kind of point, but the, those two examples do kind of prove a point, because St. Patrick is a light to a world that has forgotten Christ, and St. Francis is a light to a church that has forgotten Christ, right? I mean, you got those oppositions that darkness can hit hit you from the side of the world, that darkness can hit you from inside the church, but... I mean, you can either be one of those people who sits around and complains about it, or you can, you know, try and, you know, be as open to grace and being a light as Francis and Patrick. Exactly. And when you look at whether it was Francis or Patrick, both of them made the effort and the appeal to our tradition. What were the things, what is the most fundamental reality, the early experience of the Church— and let's make sure that faith, the faith of the apostles, that the apostolic deposit of faith, is what's being conveyed with all of its vigor, all their emphasis and their, all their joy. And by doing that, that's what brought about the conversion of Ireland, which needs to happen again. That's why the snakes have returned to that island. And that's what needs to happen here uh, throughout the whole Church, as Francis had the vision uh, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, it was the Pope who had the vision of St. Francis holding up the Lateran and lifting up the Church and saving the Church because of the fact that at that time the Church had been 
corrupted by greed and sexual sins and all this kind of stuff. And it was that turn to an authentic simplicity of the apostolic deposit of the faith and a return to that kind of apostolic vigor that brought about such powerful conversion. He became a star in the night. And even St. John of the Cross, who talks about the dark night of the soul, also waxes eloquent in regards to the presence of the stars amidst the dark night. Well, this is such an important thing for us to reflect on. I wish we had more time, but I mean, what it highlights for me uh, is that, you know, we do think we're special here in 2023 that like the church has never, you know, had difficulties like, like we've got now. I mean, we're a special generation. Like, you know, <laughs> nobody's been able to destroy the church, but we have a unique ability to do it in our era. And the fact of the matter is, is that the church is always, the church has always needed stars uh, in the night sky. Uh, the witness of the saints is what really, truly carries the church forward. They're the ones who really, truly plug into the sacraments and really receive that grace. So that's the models we got to follow. Father Tangora, always appreciate you. Have a great day. God bless you all. Have a great day and be stars in the night. There you go. Stars in the field, even. Compostela. I'd never put together that that's the translation of that word, Compostela, until just now. We're back with headlines right after this. It's 16 past. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. And I wanted to tell you guys how great your show is because uh, I listen to you guys for every, every day for the last past five and a half months. It's because of you guys that I came to the Catholic faith. Now I'm going to church on Sunday for the first time because I just got out yesterday from jail. And I got my mom to go too. And my girlfriend is also going with me. Wow. She's willing to give the Catholic faith a try. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has appointed a new archbishop for the Archdiocese of Dubuque, Iowa today. The Federal Reserve has wrapped up a two-day meeting. Is wrapped. They haven't wrapped it up yet. They are wrapping up a two-day meeting in Washington today and is widely expected 
they'll resume interest rate hikes after hitting pause last month. And a recent Gallup poll has found religion is falling as an important part of Americans' lives. Oh, really? Are you surprised no, by that, I Matt? had no idea. No? No? no. Uh, new study says water is wet. Well, but again, that kind of reinforces the point that Father Phil was making of, of being lights in the darkness. You know, it's—I mean, we were talking about this last hour with Gary Zimak, too. Um, and I, I actually talked about this with a—there's a Journey Home guest— uh, that mentioned this, and her episode hasn't aired yet, but she was talking about if people see us walk out of church and they're driving past on the road and they see a whole bunch of sullen, sour people, you know, with chips on their shoulders, not talking to one another, mad at the world. When they drive by that, they're going to think to themselves, why would I want to join those people? Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like anything interesting or good is going on in there, right? Uh, I mean... Why would people want to invest themselves in religion if they look around and they Google us or they see us on Twitter and they're like, wow, these people are grumpy. Or if they don't have any sense of the transcendent, then um, when they walk into a church, then, yeah, it's going to rank about this place. It's going to rank seventh behind family, health, work, money friends and hobbies because what's the point of showing up in a church when I could do something much more meaningful like be with my family or work on my health or work or do a or puzzle get money yeah or, or hang out with my friends well i mean this if is... that's how you experience god is by catching a fish and well, you don't experience you do God, that. and you don't experience God walking into a church, then yeah, you're going to go fishing instead of going to a church. Not that you cannot find God while oh, fishing. Sure. We've done whole interviews on him. that. I was about to say, you gotta, you got to find him in, in the life of his church. Exactly. And then go fishing And afterwards. then appreciate the fishing and allow it to inform you yeah. even more. But if you're, you're not a joyful witness of the faith, I mean, again, why would people want to join us? If it looks like we're not having a good time. Not that we have to be silly, but we have to be joyful. It's 21 past. And for iced tea, if you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. A meditation from St. Augustine's Confessions. Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. 
You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you, yet if they had not been in you, they would have been not at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you, now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Carlo Broussard is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. You can find him online at carlobroussard.com. He wants to come speak at your parish. You can invite him through catholicanswersspeakers.com. And we're going through his book, The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralists. Carlo, welcome back. Anna, thanks for having me. And I got to say this. Before the break, that was quite impressive when you listed six things and you talked about the seventh thing prior to even saying the six things. Did you have that front loaded or did you do that on the fly? I totally (laughs) had it front loaded. It's true. (laughs) I was like, man, that was pretty impressive. (laughs) Thanks, Carlo. Yeah, I, I have a lot of things written down in front of me. So, okay, all right. This is how I managed to keep my life straight so early in the morning. I'm sorry. I, I made you expose the secrets of it's radio. Fine. My it's fine. It's fine. It's just <laughs> another way to keep me humble here on, All right. on the radio. No, it's true. Um, I am just blown away by some of the stuff that you have written in this book. So we are going to be talking about total relativism as pushed by um, some proponents of critical race theory. And I think it's kind of interesting yes into how uh, critical race theory has morphed in recent years, because I believe it began as as sort of a legal theory in law school, looking at, you know, how laws were written and how that affected people differently based on the color of their skin, particularly when looking at like Jim Crow laws and things like that. How Mm -hmm. has it manifested in the culture nowadays? Yeah, well, it's manifested in the culture with respect to affirming objective truth as being a means of oppressing non-white people. So one example that I put forward in the book comes from uh, Pomona College in Claremont, California. The president, uh, what happened was there was going to be a speech intended to be given by a Black Lives Matter critic, Heather McDonald, and the students protested and shut the speech down. And in response, the president, David Oxtoby, wrote an email saying, hey, look, listen, guys, this conflicts with the mission of our college to discover truth and engage in a collaborative development of knowledge. Well, do you know, Anna, that a group of students signed by over 30 students, uh, a group of students responded with a letter signed by over 30 students claiming that the idea that there is a single truth is a myth and white supremacy. White supremacy? And then they further, that's right, to affirm objective truth. To affirm a single truth is white supremacy. And they further stated, historically, 
white supremacy has venerated the idea of objectivity, and here's the key, as a means of silencing oppressed peoples. Hmm. And so you can see right off the bat that relativism is not dead, (laughs) contrary to the claim of many, as I point out in the introduction of my book. Total relativism, the idea that there's no absolute truth whatsoever, is right here behind the mask of critical race theory. Affirming objectivity is white supremacy, according to these students. So that's one example. And then there's another example of this total relativism, Anna, that's manifested in our culture. And it found its way into a math curriculum entitled A Pathway to Equitable Math Instruction, Dismantling Racism in Mathematics Instruction. And this curriculum was adopted by over 25 education organizations. And you know what this manual says? It lists toxic characteristics of white supremacy culture. And here's one of them, Anna, getting the right answer. (laughs) What? Yes, that's right. A toxic characteristic of white supremacy is getting the right answer. Then check this out. The manual goes on to state upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuates objectivity. And of course, the implication is, as the students of Pomona stated, to perpetuate objectivity is to be guilty of white supremacy. And so that's just a couple of examples. I, I, I give a, a list of several other institutions that have adopted the same mentality. Even the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C. had a poster, White Culture, Aspects and Assumptions of Whiteness and White Culture in the United States. Guess what one of them was? Objective, rational thinking. This the is bottom so line hard, is that it, Yeah. Because yeah, essential to critical rate. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, this is so hard because you want to affirm objective truth, obviously, as Catholics, but you don't want to be called a white supremacist. That's right. And this is why it's so important, Anna, that we unspin the modern spin. We have to ask the question, well, what do you mean by white supremacy? Because often in our culture today, what people mean by white supremacy is not what we mean and what we would reject. What they mean by white supremacy is affirming objectivity, affirming objective truth. And that is something that we cannot get on board with. And here's one of the major problems with this, at least philosophically. Notice to say that to assert a single truth is white supremacy. Well, isn't that a single truth? Yeah. To say that being objective is white supremacy. Isn't that being objective? Mm -hmm. And of course it is. And so it's either a double standard or self-refuting. Take your pick. I take both. <laughs> Just Rightfully so. <laughs> yes. Well, the book is called The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralists. You can find it from Catholic Answers Press. And uh, we got so much more to talk about on this topic alone. Uh, we will pick it up the next time we get together, Carlo. Go to CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com to invite Carlo to speak get him some speaking gigs today catholicanswerspeakers.com carlo thank you you're welcome man have a great day you too thank you all right half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news pope francis has appointed a new archbishop for the archdiocese of dubuque the holy father has chosen davenport bishop thomas zincula to fill the vacancy left in april when archbishop michael jackals left for health reasons 
Zinkula has been serving as the Bishop of Davenport since 2017. The Federal Reserve wraps up a two-day meeting in Washington today and is widely expected to resume hiking interest rates after hitting pause on that last month. The Fed could also provide some insight on whether another rate increase could be coming later in the year. President Biden is pushing insurers to improve access to mental health care. Trey Thomas reports. Biden announced a proposed rule Tuesday to strengthen requirements so health insurers cover behavioral health at the same level as physical health. Mental health care is health care. It's essential to people's well-being and their ability to lead a full and productive life. The rule is expected to be published in the Federal Register next week. I'm Trey Thomas. More than 30 drugs may be facing supply chain issues after a tornado hit a North Carolina Pfizer plant last week. The Rocky Mount facility makes close to a quarter of Pfizer's injectable medicines, which are used in hospitals across the U.S. Last week, the facility was hit by a tornado, which plowed through a storage center that contains medications. Pfizer warned hospitals in a letter on Friday that about 65 formulations of those drugs could see disruptions because of the tornado damage. A recent recent Gallup poll has found that religion is falling in importance in Americans' lives. 58% of people surveyed said religion is extremely or very important to them. That is down from 65% in a survey from 2001 and 2002. At that time, religion ranked sixth in importance for people's personal lives. In the latest survey, religion ranked seventh behind family, health, work, money, friends, and hobbies or other recreational activities. Religion is the only element that showed a decline. Ahead of World Youth Day next week, Pope Francis has recorded a second so-called PopeCast podcast in which he listened and responded to difficult situations and struggles recounted to him by various young people. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The young people featured in this second podcast represent a variety of backgrounds and age groups, sharing their difficulties but also their dynamism and hopes. Pope Francis listened to the story of Giona, for example, who spoke about the challenges of being a believer while accepting the reality of having physical challenges and being transgender. Pope offered words of encouragement, saying, God loves us just as we are. And that the Lord always accompanies us, always. Even if we're sinners, he draws near to help us. Pope added, do not give up and keep striving and going forward. Listening to the stories of Edward and Valerie, both serving time in a juvenile correctional community, the Pope heard about their difficult family situations and abandonment that led to their committing crimes they now regret. In response, the Pope asked them to consider that our mistakes must not be allowed to block our lives and that the human story goes on with its successes and its failures. But he asked them to always remember that the Lord is with them on their journey, ready to take you by the hand to help lift you up. Ariana then recounted her own struggle with bipolar disorder, which has caused her moments of great joy, but also moments when she's contemplated suicide. At the same time, she said she feels that she is saved by God. The Pope listened to her closely and responded by encouraging her to always look forward, not to lose sight of the horizon. 
and the horizon is God. He invited her to follow the care recommendations of her health professionals and noted that we're all wounded in life in various ways and due to different causes, including sin, which require us to look to the horizon of God's love and mercy. I'm Thaddeus Jones. The next president of the C and CEO of Catholic Charities USA is a laywoman with a background in leadership and philanthropy, Carrie Alice Robinson. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. The This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, How should Christians prepare for a holy and happy marriage? Christians should prepare for a holy and happy marriage by receiving the sacraments of penance and the Eucharist, by begging God to grant them a pure intention and to direct their choice and by seeking the advice of their parents and the blessing of their pastors. Very often, people think that they should prepare for marriage by living with the other person. But you know, statistics show us that those who live together before marriage are more likely to break up after marriage. And so the proper way to prepare for a holy and happy marriage is to be holy. You see, when you receive the sacraments of penance and the Holy Eucharist, God is helping to prepare you. By receiving the advice of your parents and the blessing of your pastors, you can receive the blessing of God, who may work through the pastor to help you discern who your mate ought to be. And so that way, in preparing for holy marriage, you are able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Danielle Bean back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. You can connect with her at daniellebean.com or at her girlfriend's community at girlfriendscommunity.com. And her girlfriend's podcast now being hosted by goodcatholic.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing great. So we just celebrated the World Day for Grandparents and the Elderly. This is uh, dated as such to coincide as close as possible with the feast of Jesus's grandparents, St. Joachim and Anne. Now, Danielle, in your experience with with your own grandparents, uh, your experience of your kids' grandparents, can you just speak to the gift that grandparents are yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really just a beautiful part of the way that God has planned the family, that 
we have these generations of parental figures. And I know from my own experience with my grandparents um, that they play that unique role in your life where they are a parent and they're an authority figure, they're an example for you. You know, I think of my, my maternal grandmother who we just lost um, about a year and a half ago now, and you know, she lived into her late 90s. And just, you know, in those last few years of her life, I was really reflecting on the fact that, you know, her faith is a gift to me, has been a gift to me. You know, she she passed on that faith to my mom, who then passed it on to me. And I, I think about that, what a huge gift that is from one generation to the next. But more than that, her example her faithful example of living out a Catholic family life in a different time, in a different place, facing unique challenges, but some of which never change, some of which are always the same, you know, a toddler is a toddler is a toddler. And so just thinking back through the generations and the beautiful example of steadfast faith that my grandparents have been to me and the gift that now I'm able to continue to pass along to my own children in sharing my Catholic faith with them. You know, I... um. I apologize that I don't remember which of your books um, in which this happens, but I remember reading a story about a woman whose name you're inheriting now, Grammy Bean. <laughs> uh, do you do you feel the weight of that uh, that inheritance? Can you talk about Grammy Bean and her example? Yeah, so Grammy Bean is not a blood relative of mine. I got to inherit her when I married Dan because um, she is his paternal grandmother. And she lived on her own into her late 90s. She died when she was 98 years old, lived in her house by herself out in the country here in New Hampshire. And when I had little kids, I would make trips to go and visit her. She lived probably about 45 minutes from us, so maybe once a week or so we would head over there. And she loved the kids so much, but she was such a old Yankee grandma, and she <laughs> loved to be the boss of things. She loved to share her opinion, but she also just loved us. What a beautiful gift she was to us. And, you know, she lived in a hard time raising five children in a time when she didn't have a washing machine. You know, a funny story about Grammy Bean is that I have in my bathroom now, sort of as a, a decorative item, a washboard that oh, yeah. was Grammy Bean's. And, you know, I look at that thing and I think, wow, I have the privilege now of having this beautiful washer and dryer in my bathroom. And here hanging as a decorative item is Grammy <laughs> Bean's washboard as a reminder to me that, she was rubbing her knuckles on that thing. She was washing her kids' clothes without electricity, without heated water, um, in very difficult times, living out in the country, and you know, just being faithful in her vocation as a wife and mom. And what a beautiful example that is to me. How do you hope to carry on that kind of legacy in in a world of technology today, where you don't you don't necessarily have? I mean, I don't think that your granddaughter is going to be hanging your washer on her wall someday. I mean, I guess it's possible, but I mean, what what kind of, I mean, what do you aspire to, you know, as you're sort of dreaming about being a grandma now? I know, it's a little bit daunting, isn't it? I, I find myself thinking, okay, uh, I need to start all the traditions, right? Like, I need to start <laughs> now. And yet, I don't want to put that pressure on myself. What I really, ultimately, my goal is to have a personal connection with the next generation. So I think the greatest gift that I can give to them is to see them, to know them, to love them, and to be personally connected with them. And, of course, 
supporting them in prayer. I've, you know, added Anya to my, my prayer list. I am uh, loving her already and praying for her sanctification and, you know, being a support to her parents as well. You know, I'm getting those texts now about, oh, the baby's screaming all night. And you know what? I, I think it's great. I, I mean, they don't think it's quite so great. Maybe they're sleep deprived. But I, I'm remembering when I was there and remembering what a source of encouragement and prayer support my own parents were. And I, I want to be that for this next generation of this sweet little family that's just getting started. You know, it's just like a sort of a new round of motherhood in a way, a different kind of motherhood, I think. Yeah, you get another go-around, and this time you don't necessarily have to be getting up in the middle of the night to do it. And, um, you know, I think that it's it's got a lot of the perks without a lot of the downsides of, of parenthood. I'm aiming to enjoy it, but also recognize the fact that um, I'm, I'm meant to be sort of a supportive person in the wings and not undervaluing ever the power of prayer and the fact that young families need us to be praying for them and supporting them in spiritual ways good stuff from danielle bean you can go get more of it from her girlfriend's podcast which is now being hosted again by goodcatholic.com and of course you can connect with danielle directly through her site daniellebean.com or girlfriendscommunity.com great conversation thank you so much grammy bean thank you god bless you you too danielle thank you matt i know you still have quite a well, at least a couple of your grandparents. I got three out of four. Wow. I'm actually going to see, uh, I'll be off on Friday because I'll be heading out to Tennessee to visit my dad's parents. So, uh, Is that yeah. granddaddy and mama? It is not. No. You're just making up, you're just making up names that you think a person Susu, from Tennessee. Susu, not gonna... mama, Susu. You're is just making Susu? up names. No, so I know here's... there's Susu, there's granddaddy. There's I've, I've just figured out a Facebook post for us for today. Um, Anna Mitchell, I'm going to head what, over to... What do you to, call your grandparents? What do you, what's, what do you call your grandparents? I know. What's you, the, it's, besides grandma and grandpa, I, I mean... No, it's or, grandmother, granddaddy, Susu. You know a lot about my family. I know. I'm trying to re- I don't remember what your other grand... Was it... It was grandmother, it was granddaddy, it's papa, and it's papa. Susu. Papa and Susu. Yeah. How about you? What were what are yours? They were just grandma and grandpa. Both sides? My yeah, my my dad sometimes called when he would say that we were going to his mother's house. Sometimes he would say granny, but we never called I never actually called her granny. She was just grandma. I never knew my grandpa. My grandpa Mitchell, I never knew. He died before I was born. Um, but then it was just so it was Grandma Mitchell and then Grandma and Grandpa Brokebank. Okay. Um, I'm typing. My parents, I don't know if you can hear me in the background. My parents are just grandma and grandpa, although there was a time when Roma, when Roma called my mom girl. Wow. <laughs> because she would call Roma, she would call her baby girl, and so we started calling my mom grandma girl, and then grandma Roma, girl? Just, Roma just started calling her girl. But that has not, you know, continued. All right, question is live on our Facebook page now. And I think now, this Anna is Mitchell. also a time to ask for prayers for Paul's grandma, Lulu. Yes, Lulu. Who's been very, very ill. Who has been ill lately. So please say a prayer for Lulu. She's part of the Sunrise Morning Show family because she's part of Paul Logman's family. Indeed. Post is live on our Facebook page. Question is, 
in honor of Saints Joachim and Anne on their feast day, what did or do you call your grandparents? And or what do your grandchildren call you? SunriseMorningShow.com. Click Facebook. Love to hear it. The more embarrassing, the better. We're back after this. For more than 150 years, the Komboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founders and Daniel Komboni as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at Kombonimissionaries.org. That is Kombonimissionaries.org. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. St. Augustine gives us tremendous insight as to why we should pray. He says this, Why God should ask us to pray when he knows what we need even before we ask him? may perplex us if we do not realize that our Lord and God does not want to know what we want, for as God, he cannot fail to already know it. But rather, he wants us to exercise our desire through our prayers so that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us. Once again, in honor of the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne, head to our Facebook page, let us know what you called your grandparents, or do call them, or what your grandkids call you sunrisemorningshow.com. Click over to Facebook. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has appointed a new bishop for the archdiocese, archbishop for the archdiocese of Dubuque, Iowa. The Federal Reserve wraps up a two-day meeting in Washington today and is widely expected to resume interest rate hikes. And a recent Gallup poll has found religion falling in the importance in Americans' lives. To the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show, it's 12 till. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. You may know it as ISO. Dr. Lewis, welcome to the show. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you because uh, there are a lot of people here here have a, well, we'll call it a love-hate relationship with liturgical translations <laughs> uh, because sure. of all the drama and uh, different things that have happened uh, by trying to put liturgy in the vernacular. Uh, but I wonder if you could give us a sense, uh, because a lot of people think, well, the U.S. bishops did this or the U.S. bishops did that with the English translations. Um, this is a bigger kind of organization than that, isn't it? It is, yes. It's it's. ICEL is an international commission, so the U.S. conference is just one of 11 different member conferences that make up ICEL. So uh, it isn't just the bishops uh, of the U.S., it's uh, bishops all over the world, 
uh, who are making these decisions about translation. All right. So somebody might say, well, are we not supposed to uh, go with a previous translation because it was a bad translation or it was wrong or anything like that? Like, why is this an ongoing process in the life of the church? And why has it been this kind of thing for a long time? Yeah, so ISAL started in 1963, so we're coming up on our 60-year uh, anniversary of the organization. It started in 1963 during the Second Vatican Council uh, in October of 1963. Uh, some English-speaking bishops got together and decided that um, since during the Second Vatican Council there were conversations about uh, allowing for greater use of the vernacular in the liturgies of the Catholic Church, they decided rather than having each individual country come up with its own separate translation, and then you'd have you know 10 or 12 countries around the world essentially uh, duplicating the same work and wasting resources doing the same work, they decided, why don't we just work together and pool our resources and come up with one uh, official English translation that would be used all over the world, that would be a sign of unity uh, for Catholics all over the world in English-speaking countries. So that's what they did in 1963. They founded ICEL. Um, in, the, in the first phase of ICEL's existence, uh, there wasn't really anything yet to translate until the late 60s, early 70s, when the, the Vatican produced new Latin liturgical books. Um, so the first few years of ICEL's existence, we were just kind of gearing up for, for the translation work. But starting in 69-70, uh, the Vatican started producing these new Latin liturgical books for translation. And so in the 70s and early 80s, ISIL had a lot of translation work to do in a very short amount of time. Um, and this was really a new kind of project. I mean, there had been translations, unofficial translations, usually done by the publisher. Way back in the day, you would have had, you know, a Latin missal uh, for going to mass. And you might have had a facing page English translation uh, or Spanish or French, depending on which country you were in. Um, and those translations were, were not official. They varied from one publisher to another. And so the work of trying to come up with an official English translation of the Mass and all the other liturgical books, uh, that was really a new project. Um, and there was definitely a lot of interest in it. People were eager to have it in the vernacular. And so the translations ISEL produced in the 70s came out very quickly, and they came out under uh, different translation guidelines. So... Um, Starting in 1969, the, the Vatican produced a document called Come le Prévois, which provided the translation guidelines for liturgical translation, uh, and that guided our work in the 70s and 80s. But in 2001, the Vatican officially updated their translation guidelines with a document called Liturgium Authenticum, and that provided a different set of principles and a different approach to translation that the Vatican was advising us to do. So that's sort of what gave rise to the second major phase of ICEL's translation work starting in the early 2000s and continuing uh, until today. In the last 20 to 23 years or so, we've been going back to all of these translations and having a second look at them. So you can think of it as, I guess, translation 2.0, I guess, uh, for ICEL. Um, so part of it is just uh, the experience of having lived with uh, some of these liturgical translations in English for 30, 40, 50 years. And, you know, you, you get a different experience with them and, and you start to see where maybe they don't age so well, or maybe they're 
uh, ways that you could tweak them or improve them. And, and part of it also is just uh, the new translation guidelines out of the Vatican um, that we have that we're working under now. Well, I do not envy you the task and for a number of reasons, because <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at where people are coming from uh, who are working on this. I, a lot of people might think, oh, if this is going to be the United States and England working on the English translation. But no, you're also dealing with India, right? You're yeah, dealing with the Philippines and South yeah. Africa and, and yeah. you know, a lot of places. Yeah. So we, we have 11 different bishops conferences that are members of ICEL. So it's the U.S., Canada, England and Wales. That's one. Uh, Scotland, Ireland, South Africa, India, Pakistan, Australia, New Zealand, and the Philippines. So that's quite a, a widespread, lots of different cultures, different different uses of English, different uh, slang, different connotations. So there, we have to think about not just how does this sound for an American audience. We have to think about how does this sound for for an audience in the in the Philippines or in Australia or New Zealand or South Africa, and so that that it makes it particularly challenging to find one way of translating that's going to satisfy eleven different bishops' conferences. As I was reading, you and I, and I think I mentioned this in the tease, you and I both went to Asbury College uh, when we were part of the Methodist tradition, and I that's was right. just reading a Facebook post from a friend of mine who was a classmate uh, around the same time you and I were there, and he. Uh, posted, uh, I've been church hopping for a couple of years, and I've got a gripe. We need to call a summit of all denominations and decide once <laughs> and for all to either say debts or trespasses during the Lord's Prayer. If Protestantism is having sure. that kind of trouble with figuring out whether to say forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts, imagine what you've got when you've got this entire <laughs> realm of liturgical stuff from every kind of mass you can imagine to the divine office and beyond. Uh, so, I mean, I'm really looking forward to digging into some of these questions with you, Dr. Lewis. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. And if our listeners want to find out more about your work and uh, maybe see some of the resources and projects, how do they do so? We have a website. Uh, you can go to icelweb.org, icelweb.org. Well, that's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Dr. Benjamin Lewis. While you're uh, on our site, click over to our Facebook page. Anna Mitchell got some names people are throwing in for their grandparents. All right, what you got? We got a Nana, got okay. a Mem and a Pep. Mem and Pep. Got Mimi in here, Graham. Nice. nice. A couple of grandmas and grandpas as well. But yeah, we'd love to know. On, on honor of Saints Joachim and Anne, the grandparents of Jesus, head over to our Facebook page and let us know what you call to your grandparents or call them, and what they call you. We're back again tomorrow. I'm Matt Swain. For all of us here, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Do you...